A practical prayer is a prayer that works. These discussions between Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence dive into the details of how it works and how to work it. Reverend Bill is a new thought minister and the author of Practical Prayer for Real Results. Your new life begins with a new thought. Carol Lawrence is on a spiritual quest, finding the new thought teaching after decades on the pulpit in three different traditional denominations. I've got some questions. Together, they're exploring the philosophy and activities that come together from many of the world's religions to create the practical spirituality that is new thought. Welcome to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence, and I'm here with Reverend Bill Marcioni. And today we're going to talk about why Jesus did not do practical prayers or Jesus did do practical prayers. We're going to unravel that, right? Yeah, we're going to unravel that a little bit. And it's interesting because, you know, Jesus was our great way shower. I have absolutely no disagreement with the notion that Jesus was the Son of God. My difference comes in that I think everyone is the son of God. Everything is the creation of God. So he's not our great exception. He's our great example. And throughout the New Testament, Jesus goes around doing really, really simple prayers. You know, somebody touches the hem of his garment and he says, the healing is done. And other examples where he says something as simple as, Lazarus, rise. And this guy rises from the dead. And those seem so miraculous and they seem so simple. And clearly, there are not the five or seven steps in a practical prayer. But what we need to get back to is why we do the five or seven steps in a practical prayer. Because uh, at its core, practical prayer is no different than an affirmation, which is our ability to make a positive statement and release it into the creative law of the universe and allow that creative power that creates everything to create this next new experience. So when we do a practical prayer, that's what we're doing. In self-help, when we do an affirmation, when we say, I am prosperous, or I am loved, or I have a wonderful relationship, or I have a perfect job, or I easily earn X thousands of dollars, that affirmative statement is a powerful creative entity that's moving the creative process that creates everything. What changes is our level of belief or disbelief in whether or not that's going to change our life. So if we believe that we are in tune with that infinite creative power that creates everything the way Jesus was, then a simple affirmative statement is all that's required to set the law in motion. The reason Jesus didn't do the other steps is because he was living in them. The first step in prayer, and the affirmation is the third step. The first step in a practical prayer is to turn our awareness away from mundane life, thinking that cause and effect happen here in the world of the physical universe, and turn our attention to that infinite creative power that creates everything, God, nature, spirit, source, whatever the essence that creates everything is. Jesus called it the Father. Turn our awareness to the Father, that infinite creative power, and know that it created everything. And then the second step is knowing that that power created everything to acknowledge that, that power created me too. Everything that I am is that divine essence shared in its own way. All of that power that exists everywhere exists within me and is av available to me. From that position of 
belief and understanding that we are using that same creative power, we then can do the affirmation. We can state that positive new experience that we're desiring and, and put that into motion. Once we've set that new idea into the creative mind, we move into gratitude. And that's the second to last step in the practical prayer. We turn from the experience that we've been having, we state what the new experience is, and then we're grateful for it. We're grateful for the new experience. We're grateful for the result of our prayer. We're grateful for the awareness of the creative process. Whatever it is that we're grateful for, we settle into gratitude. And then we release it. We let it go. The final step is to let this new creative intention loose in the creative law that has basically been creating galaxies and everything since the beginning of time and allow it to work. Those are the steps of a practical prayer. Jesus was always living in those first two steps. He did not need to remind himself that there was one. He said, the Father and I are one. When you see me, you see the Father. And he knew that. So there was that awareness of the infinite and his awareness of his connection with the infinite. So he didn't need to say it. For him, it went without saying. So he could just say, Lazarus, rise, and do it from that position of infinite creative power, knowing that he was a channel through which that power was flowing. Similarly, he was always living in gratitude. He didn't need to remind himself that he was grateful for the good. He could make that statement in gratitude and let it be. And he also knew that once he said something, because he was saying it with that authority, he didn't need to specifically release it or say that he was releasing it into the creative law of the universe because he was always doing that. So he was always living in, those, in, the, in the midst of a prayer. And so he could simply make those affirmative statements and then stuff would happen. We're not necessarily that attuned. When we are, we can do a single-step prayer, just like Jesus did. Uh, and there are times when I've been able to do that. Somebody asked me to pray for them for something, and it is so immediately obvious that that new possibility is open to them that I realize that that infinite creative power is already being activated. I just say, so it is. I do that affirmation with them, and I let it go. It doesn't happen very often, but every once in a while, I can do that. Okay. I got a couple of things. But you already knew that, right? <laughs> I, I, well, I packed a whole bunch into that. It was all five of the steps of practical prayer and a reference to what Jesus did instead. So go ahead. Absolutely. And it was incredible. I was making so many notes. And actually, what's really amazing about that is that I've taken your class twice. And every time you talk, I get more out of it. It becomes more and more clear. And I stopped beating up on myself because I couldn't get it. You know, I'm supposed to get this. But it is very different in that, uh, and the big difference, and usually I'm hung up on the preparation part, but the really, really big difference is step one and step two. Step one, we tend to take for granted because there's this great, powerful, creative God out there, and nobody would dispute that, nobody, that creates galaxies, that creates everything, you know the tiny little goldfish to the great big whale, you know, mm -hmm. everything. So we're cool with that. But then when you get to step two and it talks, you're talking about me identifying with that one great power, that one creative source, that one infinite intelligence and infinite of whatever you need it to be. Now that's a little difficult, you know, now, personally, I'm for it because if you, t <laughs> if you tell me I have something good in its mind, I'm going with it. But that is a bit difficult, I think, a, a, a bit of a leap 
to think that I am one with this God. I can be close to this God. I can be in communication, however that works for me. But to be one mm. is, a, is a leap. And I, I know it's right, but how do we get there? That, I think, might be the big, hairy challenge of new thought and of doing practical prayer, is because in that second step, when we're acknowledging that the creative power that creates everything is within us, we are accepting the authority and the accountability for whatever our shape our life is taking. And taking unquestionable responsibility for what we call bad is terrifying. You know, a lot of the people hear that and they turn to blame. Oh my God, it's my fault. My life is my fault. Everything that you, you say, you say this illness is my fault. You say that this getting fired from my job is my fault. How dare you? What do you mean it's my fault? And we go into our ego and it's our resistance to claiming that the infinite creative power that's creating everything has created this too. And it's created according to our belief because we have the accountability for whatever it is we've created, even though simultaneously we have the authority to create something different. We can use that to say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm less than, I'm unworthy, I'm a failure because I created this experience that I don't like, instead of using it as a guidance that we want to create something different. Got it. I got that. I've always believed in that accountability and so forth. But it's, it's easy for us to claim responsibility for the negative in our life. It's, it's pretty easy. I mean, if you don't, you set aside the devil. Like, that's just not even, you know, there is no devil. Not Some somebody good to blame. Yeah. Yeah, somebody. And, and so if, if anybody's listening that really, you know, needs the devil, just set it aside for a minute. And we don't really have a problem with saying, I screwed this up. You know, it was me. I made some bad decisions. I mean, if you take your ego out the way, you can say, okay, you know, I, I'm a jerk. I really did this. Well, you very casually said, if you take your ego out of the way. Yes. Uh, that's not so yes. easy, but continue. No, it's not. But let's, you know, we can do that because we could do that. It's comfortable to say, I'm a jerk. It was me. <laughs> right? Except for jerks, but keep going. Yeah, but, okay. But the real stretch is to say, I am good. God is good. I am good. And I can create something good. You know, I can create something bad. I know how to do that. Right. Because I've done it a lot. That's that's I'm speaking for me and a lot of other people. But to say that I have the power to create good and it's my responsibility and I can do this. That's hard. That's hard. It takes a lot, a lot of practice to. and, And then when you do it, it's like, well, maybe that was a fluke. You know, <laughs> God really did it. It was a fluke, but you got to practice. You know, you talk about heavy lifting. That's heavy lifting. That's a heavy lift. And I, I'm going to disagree with one word. It's not responsibility. It's authority. We're not responsible for choosing something. We're just, we, we can. We're, we, there's, no, there's not a heavy weight upon our shoulders because we have to choose something. Like we have to cure cancer or solve world hunger or end child abuse. We can, perhaps we can, but we do not have to choose anything. We are creating our own life experience. We are free to choose whether we want to solve world hunger or just sell hot dogs at the beach. And then whatever choices we make, we're accountable for the way that those choices are impacting in the experience of our life. Mm, Okay. Yeah. 
there's there's some stuff in there too. You know, it seems like every, every there's layers between layers or beneath layers, because we are we're told that we're supposed to do good. You know, you you gotta figure out what the good is and then do that. So, I would, because of a belief system, choose to take the track of world hunger as opposed to, you know, selling hot dogs. Where selling hot dogs might really make me happy. And I can meet more people and make them feel happier and all of that. And it's possible that selling hot dogs is going to bring more joy into the world than tilting at a windmill of solving world hunger. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But you could, but once you can see that, you know, it's like everything is important. You know, there's value in every choice. Not every choice. There's value. Oh, no, there's value in every choice. Sometimes it's by informing us, well, I never want to make that choice again. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm trying to get at the thing that you might think is little might be the, the way that spirit does great big things to you, for you and through you. You know, you gave the example of selling hot dogs. And I thought about that. You know, I always like to, in church, as a pastor we would have the potluck dinners or whatever. And I always wanted to be in the serving line. I loved it, you know, because I'm talking to people and, you know, and there's laughing and, you know, I'm just lighting up the place. And I got fired all the time. Like they would kick me out because <laughs> <laughs> it took too long. I took too long. I'm holding up the line, but it was such fun and people were having fun. And so in those little service areas, you know, that we choose to do. There's value in that too. But that's where spirit works also, you know, in a good way, in a big way, I think. Yep. And uh, the word is serendipity, where you're not setting out to do something spectacular, but you wind up doing something spectacular, even though you're, you, you thought it was insignificant. Let's take a quick break and come back and talk about the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> that should be fun. Okay. <laughs> We'll be right back. I can't wait for this one. You can put practical prayer to work in your life, and Reverend Bill Marcioni can help. He is offering an online class that teaches you to create your own practical prayer in five weekly one-hour sessions. The final hour brings your practical prayer together, anchored in live original music by a notable New Thought musician. Practical prayer is based on the most effective prayers found in religions and spiritual practices all over the world. Use it to deepen ever more fully into the truth of your spiritual nature. It's the core of a transformational spiritual practice that's simple, even if it's not always easy. Reverend Bill is also available for private spiritual counseling prayer sessions. Together, you'll lean into the challenges you've experienced in life and explore the transformation that's possible through practical prayer. You'll uncover old, hidden beliefs and uproot them to make way for the life of your dreams. Everything you need to know is on the website at b-the-light.com. That's b-the-light.com. Welcome 
Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence. I'm here with Reverend Bill Marcioni, and we're going to continue to talk about Jesus and practical prayer. Did he do it? Did he not do it? How he did it? How, you know, but what's this with the Beverly Hillbillies? (laughs) We were talking about serendipity. And first of all, full disclosure, my late sister-in-law was a writer on the Beverly Hillbillies when that show was on television. And it was Buddy Ebsen and the wacky story about how he's like living in the hills in, I think it was Kentucky, Bug Tussle, Kentucky. I'm pretty sure the town was. And the opening song, Earl Scruggs and Lester Flat. you know, one day he's shooting for some food and up through the ground comes a bubbling crude. He had gone out to shoot squirrels or rabbits and inadvertently struck oil. And that's serendipity. And what Jed Clampett was doing was he he wasn't setting out to find oil, but he also wasn't setting out to shoot squirrels. He was setting out to support his family, to feed his family. And the way that that intention manifested in their lives was an entire sitcom about what does an oil millionaire do in Bug Tussle, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. So... The nature of serendipity is that we're not planning on it, but we can bring in a gusher. Let's switch back from 60s sitcoms to uh, to Jesus. You were speaking earlier about Jesus and, and practical prayer and how Jesus really lived in each step. So he didn't have to do the five steps because uh, step one, he he knew God and was one with God. He was that was a no brainer for him. And then when you got to the end, you said he, he lived in gratitude and I can see that clearly. And so there wasn't any, the, so it is part is like, well, what else could it be? Because this is, this is the way it is. So talk about Jesus living in the five steps. It was by his awareness. He didn't have to do step one because he knew. That father was everything. That was his spiritual nature. And because he knew that that father was everything, he was already living in step two. He knew that he was an embodiment of that infinite creative power. So he lived that. He knew that. So he was very free to call upon that infinite creative power that was flowing to him and through him and as him and make a new claim upon it, make a new demand and set an intention for something new to happen. Uh, we left out the other two, the two optional steps, which is when there's something going on in our belief system that is not true. We need to address that this, whatever it is, this belief is false. There's no truth and no power to it so that we can claim the good. And there were times when Jesus would look at something and say, this is not the truth. He would then say the truth. So those are those two steps to look, to look a fact in the face, know something better, state something different, and let that be the new truth. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of examples where he did that that are probably at your fingertips and not mine because that's not my the top book on my shelf. I get it. I get it. The The reason that I was really excited about talking about Jesus and the practical prayer and how he did it is because I always, for me, the big change thing in my life was to see Jesus as a man. In in the traditional church, you say Jesus was 100% God, 100% man, which is true. But the focus is always on Jesus being 100% God and little focus on Jesus being 
man, the humanity of him. And I always looked at that and thought that was incredibly important because in order for me to relate to what Jesus did as a person, I had to know him and learn him and experience him as a person. So, you know, I set out to do that and took out all the red letters and, <laughs> and you know, just said, I want to know Jesus as a man, because if he's, he's just God, if he's God, you know, I'm not going to be able to do all this. But if I see that this person, flesh and blood human being did it, and I can figure out how, and we can connect that way. So that was my, you know, toddler way of trying to understand it. But actually, having spent time with you and in this, your classes and all the reading that I do, it's it's still the same. You know, Jesus, I still say you got to you got to shake hands with him as a as a guy. Well, Don't yeah, get upset, and, and, folks. I say, dude, but you you gotta <laughs> you gotta shake hands with him as a man, a person, a human, just like. And then I can see, I can walk, and I can kind of understand what he did and how he thought. And and it, you know, you bring it all together with that first step. This is who God is. Yeah, and when 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 you're saying that that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man, I 100% agree with you. And I think that you are 100% human and 100% God. God is 100% God and you know, some small tiny fraction human because this is an infinite universe. There's a lot to it. And I'm not sure what the percentages come out. It's not zero, but it's pretty small when you consider how many galaxies there are out there that are not I mean, they're, they're stars. They're not humans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so everything that you are, everything that each one of us is, is that divine God essence. And it's 100% human. We are that infinite presence taking human form. And just like with Jesus, I, th- I, don't, think there are, I don't think there are two classifications of human. I don't think there's Jesus plus everyone else, all of the other billions of humans who have lived. That would be a nasty trick. Mm-hmm. especially if you take into account the sorts of... I mean, Jesus made a gentle suggestion that there was not a distinction between him and his humanness and his godness and everybody else. And it goes when he said, all this I do, you can do, and more. And I don't think that was actually that subtle. I think what he meant by that is that everything he did, we can do too. And we can do more than he did. Jesus did not invent cell phones or travel to the moon, to the best of our knowledge. Mm -hmm. Jesus could not fly a 777 or an Airbus or even a Cessna. Okay? All this I do, you can do, and more. And it's the availability and the creative power that lets us create new and more and better and deeper and then live in that. Mm -hmm. Are we going to live in that in a spiritual way? Or are we going to live in that in in a completely ego-based way? Uh, pushing the pieces around in the physical universe way where we're going to deny the spiritual nature of everything. But, the, you know, that de- that's self-defeating, you know. Yeah. When Jesus said that all these things I do, you'll do better, you'll do more. You know, I said, yes, okay, he said it. It's got to be true. Let me figure out how this works or how right. to do more. But you got to start with the area of belief that we are, you are as an individual, one with God and what that means. 
and you can wrestle with it however you want. You know, we're a tiny piece of God or the drop of the ocean um, analogy. And I think there was one that said, um, I forget that one because I can't remember both parts. But anyway, we are one with God. God can't do anything for us that unless he could do it through us. You know, we have to be willing. Yeah. We have to be open and receptive. And um, that's one of those things that, you know, you got to work on. Like, be open to it. If he said it, okay, let's see how it works. That's being open. Yeah. Well, Jesus actually did say how to do a practical prayer. He gave very specific instructions. Uh, so let's take another break and then come back and go over Jesus' instructions on how to do a practical prayer. Okay, we'll be back. Learn to put practical prayer to work in your life. The steps are simple to learn and let you begin to get real results to create the life of your dreams immediately. Reverend Bill Marcioni's widely acclaimed book, Practical Prayer for Real Results, gives you a clear summary of the new thought principles behind practical prayer and the series of easy-to-understand steps found in the most effective prayers from religions and spiritual practices all over the world and throughout history. Practical prayer is not a replacement for your religion or practice. It's a technique to make the work you do in consciousness even more effective. The book includes 40 prayers on various topics that you can adapt as needed and use as your own. Practical Prayer for Real Results is available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook on Amazon or at b-the-light.com. That's b-the-light.com. Back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence and Reverend Bill Marcioni is right here. We're going to talk about um, Jesus' instructions in practical prayer. There was one specific part in the Bible, it was in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus told everybody how to do a practical prayer. And he set it up again really subtly. He said, after this manner, therefore, pray. Pray like this. That's what he was saying. And then he said... Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And what he did is he went through all of the steps of a practical prayer. And that was the time that he did it. And that was like a demonstration. He says, I've been saying stuff like Lazarus rise and Lazarus rises. And you guys are really amazed. And you think it's a miracle. And you don't know how it's done. Okay, I'm going to tell you the secret. This is what you guys do because you're not living in these first two steps. And you don't have the belief that just by saying something, you're creating a new experience. So here's how you do it without being Jesus. The first step is to turn our attention towards that infinite creative power. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the first thing we do is we turn our attention to the infinite. And the second thing that we want to do is understand, acknowledge, and accept that that infinite creative power is available to us as well. That power is within. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means the same creative process that is unfolding always is unfolding through me right here and now. And from those two steps, he was then in a position where he could claim his good. And the way he did that, he went to bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Well, if you're fed, if you've got every, that's everything that you need. 
Give us this day our daily bread. And by the way, the Sermon on the Mount is the one where he did the loaves and fishes too. So there was some bread going on that day. And then he even went into the refutations, talking about the things that weren't true, denying what seemed like it wasn't true. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And deliver us from evil, which I think isn't actually a force, but an error. So wrong thinking. And then he claimed it was good again. So what he did was those first steps, he did a couple of refutations and reaffirmations, which are the, the extra two, where we're overcoming a disbelief. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And that's him turning to gratitude. He is accepting that all of this good from the infinite is available here and now. And the Aramaic word amen means, and so it is in English. So that was his release step. So he actually did that. And he did that by telling us how we could do what he was doing without necessarily being as 100% tuned in as he was. The really interesting thing about the Lord's Prayer is what he said right before the Lord's Prayer because he explained how it worked. And he did it by, quite frankly, by dissing people who were doing it uh, in ways that he thought were unproductive. He said, don't go praying out loud on the street corners like the hypocrites who want to be heard, you know, who want to make a big show about the fact that they're praying. He said, go into your closet, just you and the Father, go within. And it's not necessarily a closet. It's not like you go in and close the door and turn the light switch out. That's go within. Go into the quiet within you turn away from everything else and open yourself up to that infinite creative power. And then believe that you have it and ask for what it is that you are seeking. And not ask as, please give this to me, but ask as, and put that demand into that creative power of the universe and allow the channel to open to bring that good in. And he says, because that infinite creative power within that's hearing you knows what you need before you ask, but you have to ask. It knows what you need because it, it is you. It is each of us. That understanding, that knowledge, that awareness is available. And what he's saying is that that creative power is available at an instant. It knows what you need. It's ready. It's prepared. As soon as you open the channel, that good flows in through the channel. Mm -hmm. But you have to ask. Because if we're getting good that we didn't ask for, that we don't want, we don't perceive it as good. When I want to have loving relationships, then I open myself up to that and all sorts of people come out of the woodwork to love me. But if I want to be left alone, then that's a punishment. So I need to understand what it is that I'm inviting, what it is that I want to have in my experience so that I can either have solitude or a crowd of people loving on me and either way have that be what's fulfilling and satisfying and enriching my life. Yeah, I see that see that there was one other thing that he said do not pray by vain repetition as the heathens do and what he meant was don't do the prayer for the sake of doing the prayer do the prayer because you want to create a new experience in your life you're not doing a prayer to get god points we are not here to impress the infinite we are not here to earn our way out of jail we are here as co-creative partners in this endeavor of life and the prayers that we're doing, we should not try and do the same thing, the same prayer over and over again. In fact, we can't. 
burnt on a, a rock that's sailing through the space at 25,000 miles an hour. So even if you say the same prayer twice in a row, you're older, you're in a different place, and the world has changed somehow, even if it seems to you like you're doing the same prayer again. Hmm. So don't intentionally do the same prayer again. Follow the instructions that are provided to us on the shampoo bottle. Lather, rinse, repeat. Lather, rinse, repeat. Yep. Okay. And for the closing prayer, uh, as our practical prayer today, at the risk of vain repetition, actually, would you say the, uh, the Lord's Prayer for us with deep intentional meaning, as though you're acknowledging that these are the steps of a practical prayer? I can recite it. Okay. Okay. And, 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 and we listening can believe it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And so it is. And so it is. And now our challenge is to say the Lord's Prayer without being a vain repetition. Let it be something new. So then you don't come, you, you don't just repeat the Lord's Prayer because that would be the vain repetition. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Let it mean something new. Let it mean something powerful. Let it be transformative and change. This is not something that you do as a placeholder. Feel it. And if you do that, you're going to change the words because that's what I do. You, you, know, you are welcome I mean, to change the words. Yeah, I mean, you fill it yeah. in with all that that means. Give us this day our gluten-free crackers. I mean, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or change the words entirely and make it be your own practical prayer for something different and do what he said. After this manner, therefore pray. You don't need to do his words. You have to do his process. That's it. You don't have to do the words. It's the process. Magic yes. words. Yes. Yes, and so it is. And so it is. I know if I keep poking you, the <laughs> magic will come out. <laughs> Practical Prayer Podcast with Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence is a production of BeTheLight.com. Be-the-light.com. Where you can find more information about practical prayer for real results. Our theme is by Music of Wisdom. You can learn about the spiritual community of New Thought Philadelphia with daily guided meditations, weekly celebrations of spirit, and Reverend Bill's classes in practical spirituality at NewThoughtPhilly.org.